InvestTalk listeners ask Steve and Justin what they use for their winning investment research. And the answer is YCharts, quality data with easy-to-use tools. Start your free trial now at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining me today on Invest Talk. It is already October 18th, and I'm Steve Peasley, and I welcome you to our weekday financial program that is geared to helping you grow and protect your money, all your investments. And I say a weekday because we do the show live Monday through Friday at 4 o'clock Pacific Time, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. But of course, we quickly post each day's program to our podcast player page on investtalk.com. It's investtalk.com. So you can listen to the show later, download it later, and tell your friends and um, tell your friends about us. I would appreciate that. The S&P, the Dow, and the NASDAQ all opened down about, oh, about one-third of 1% this morning and then got weaker as the day went on. I bet many of you are wondering, is it over with? Has the storm passed? Well, we'll just, we shall see. I didn't think it was when it was up the two or 300 points uh day before yesterday. And everybody was, I was getting a lot of emails as a time to get back in. And I'm not, no, not yet. So now it gave back almost all of the gain it made day before yesterday. Very volatile market. Very predictable. And we told you it was going to happen many times in the last month that we were going to say October was going to be probably pretty darn volatile. So you just have to be ready, and it's probably not over. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Just just relax. Now, crude oil opened down to $68 a barrel. Remember, it was up to, what, 71-something? It was down $68 a barrel. But I don't know if it's going to stay there with all the Mideast tensions we're having, right? Um, all the big tech stocks opened on the downside. Valuations probably are stretched to the upside, and they probably need to give some back. Uh, the alarming Facebook data breach has been credited to third-party spammers, not a sophisticated nation-state. I don't know about you, but that worries me even more. Third-party spammers are the problem with the big Facebook data breach. That's what caused it. That means you couldn't prevent even that, let alone some sophisticated spamming. So you can't... Uh, hmm. I, that didn't set well with me when I read that. I don't know about you. And as you can tell, there is plenty of market news to talk about. I invite you to be part of the conversation by calling our Anytime Listener line right now. Ask your questions, 888-99-CHART. I do have a quick note for you here. Justin and I are very happy to announce the launch of our new offering, Invest Talk Academy. Invest Talk Academy. It's going to be, I, I'm looking forward to it. We were working on it today. It sounds like it'll be, I feel like it's going to be fun for me anyways. I don't know about Justin, but I know it's going to be fun for me. It's going to start November 1st. Invest Talk Academy will give you online instruction with hands-on mentoring. Now that means we will we'll answer questions, answer questions just like any other classroom. I'll be explaining a lot of the value we think it's going to get in more great and, and detail later in the program. So text your friends. They will want to hear about this news, I hope. I hope you do. 
and I hope you sign up. Now, think back for a moment to the awful calamity of 2008, the financial crisis. Remember that? Do you remember what triggered it or what it was one of the main drivers once it got started? It was subprime mortgages. Subprime mortgages. Remember they were packaging them in CDOs and CMOs and all those things? And then a default, a tsunami of default rolled in on these subprime mortgages. And that took the biggest players, the companies that had brought up thousands of these CMOs and TDOs, down to their knees. Now, I bring this up because some private mortgages have returned. Notice they're not, you haven't heard much about it. It's quiet right now. Can this be a good idea? I want to talk about that later in a few minutes. Before I get to that, though, let's make time for a caller. You know your, your questions come first, and our number is 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. I had a question about shorting the market. I'm looking at stock symbol SH. This is a uh, inverse to the S&P 500. I was looking at it, and there's a dividend yield of about 0.8%. Can you explain what the dividend is? I mean, if you're shorting the market, what would the purpose of that dividend be? Thanks. I hate to tell you this, but the purpose of showing that a dividend yield of eight-tenths of one percent on SH means that you probably have to pay it, not earn it. I don't think you earn it because when you short a stock, and I can't see how it would be any difference with shorting an entire index, you owe the dividend when it's called. When the dividend, when, when because remember, you borrow somebody else's stock, you've got to give them back their dividend. So um, I'm, I have, I'd have to dwell, it looks like it pays an eight-tenths of 1% dividend to you, but I can't imagine how that would be true. I, I can't imagine how that would be true. So I, I, would look, I, I need to look into it further because it's also too small of a dividend to be the overall dividend of the S&P 500, which SH shorts. SH shorts the entire S&P 500 index, meaning that it will the SH will go up. Uh, it will go up the amount that the S and P 500 index goes down. This will go in just the opposite direction. So, it, should you be doing it now? Well, you're a bit late. Um, I think you're a bit late. We, we by the way, we do own SH in one of our managed accounts, our dynamic growth accounts. We have several shorts there, and this is one of them. Okay, SH. During 2008, three of the largest U.S. investment banks either went bankrupt, like Lehman Brothers, or were sold at fire sale prices to other banks, Bear Stearns, Merrill Lynch. These failures really caused, it, it, it augmented the instability in the global financial system. The remaining two investment banks, Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs, the two big, huge ones, opted to become commercial banks. They kind of arm twisted into it by the federal government. So don't think it was I don't think it was necessarily voluntary all the way. I don't. So they subjected themselves to more stringent regu regulation by doing that. And they were kind of pushed to do it. Now, this amazing turn of events back then was triggered in a great part by a big decline in home prices after the collapse of the housing bubble. That led to mortgage delinquencies, foreclosures, and the devaluation of housing-related securities, CMOs, CDOs, those, all those fancy products that were sold. What they, what they were were 
these products would package mortgages into uh, instruments, just package them all at one time, then sell them on to Wall Street, and then eventually to you, because you, know, you would buy those CMOs because they had a great yield, because they were, and, they, and they were told, telling us all that they were very safe because they were mortgages backed by property. Huh, right. Well, on CNBC.com, there was a headline. Thousands line up for zero down payment subprime mortgages. What's that about? Proponents of this policy, right there, when you hear the word this policy, you think, okay, the government's involved somehow, say that borrowers can have low credit scores but have to go through an educational session and submit all necessary documents. So you're going to lend subprime mortgages to people that don't have enough money to pay back the loan. And remember, they're subprime, meaning they don't have very high credit scores. So how do they get that? Right? It's not just because they're, they're low income. That's not how you get bad credit scores. You get bad credit scores because you don't pay your bills. You, or you're late all the time. Something. And they think this is a good idea. And they're offering these mortgages at a little bit below market rates. Hmm. Think that's a good idea? Now, critics of the program argue that with no down payment, no skin in the game, these borrowers have no reason not to walk away from their homes if they lose value, which they did last time, and they will. I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science. Of course they will. Why would they not? They can't, you know, they can't afford it. The property value is going down. Why stay with the property? I mean, that will be the attitude of many, many people. Now, the VA, Veteran Ministry, offers a no-down payment plan for veterans and other families. So I'm not saying that none of these prog programs should be offered, but I think they need to be very stringent in who they offer them to them. Not bad credit risk. They have to be good credit risk. Now, subprime tells you that's not, that it is not good credit risk. It's bad credit risk. So, uh, I don't know. Not, yeah, I've heard this so many times, you know, that, oh, well, it'll be a little different because they're going to make them, you know, take classes on how to be a better steward of their money or whatever. You know, it, human nature does not change. It has not changed. Okay, at KPP Financial, Justin Klein and I can help you with these important goals, making money, growing your finances. But you do have to reach out to us. You have to get things started. So you can call our Dana Point office anytime you want or send a, a message to our investtalk.com. Send me an email. Be happy. I answer all my emails. I'm very diligent about that. I really try to be very diligent about that. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And I want to remind you to be here tomorrow, Friday. Because I will be talking about select excerpts from our KPP preview newsletter. I write it every week. The newsletter provides a roundup summary of the week, offers a couple uh, stock ideas, offers uh, some hints how to manage a portfolio. It's, I think it's a pretty good news, newsletter. So I'm ready to take your questions right now. 888 99Chart. Thanks for listening to Invest Talk. Head over to investtalk.com and read about the many strategic investing programs offered to clients of KPP Financial. 
In particular, you should consider balanced income. It gives investors an ideal blend of growth and interest. The phone lines are open, Steve is here, and he's taking your questions live. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. What's our main talking point today? It's about Uber. Uber could be valued at $120 billion in a possible IPO, initial public offering. Okay, they're being pushed to come out an IPO by, you know, the commercial banks. Because they make a ton of money on IPOs, especially big ones like this. That's going to be our main talking point. And uh, the second thing I want to talk about is analysts who predicted the 2008 crash warrants of a bubble brewing in U.S. household wealth. What the heck are they talking about? We'll go over that. And I do want to touch on mortgage rates today. Uh, you know, they've come down a little bit from a couple few weeks ago of their spike, but I just want to talk about them. I want to bring people into, you know, some reality about the mortgage rates. And uh, Susie Orman, I don't usually talk about Susie Orman, but I think she's right when she said, you need $5 million to retire. But there's caveats on that. You, you know, when you read that little headline, you go, $5 million, need that much? Well, we'll go over the things that, why that is necessary. It's just, it's not for, you don't have to have $5 million, but when you read the caveats, you'll know why, it, yeah, you kind of need the $5 million. So those are the things I'm going to talk about on the on this this what was it Thursday Thursday afternoon, but of course you always come first. Whatever's on your mind, I always talk about that. Now the market was down sharply. The Dow was down 327 points. The Nasdaq 158 and the S&P 40. If you look at a chart of the Dow, if you look at a chart of the Dow, you'll see that it's done nothing much of since the big downturn, okay? It's kind of fallen hard, still still falling hard. It's retesting the lows, about 25,000 on the down. Today is at 25,379. The low was 25,000, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six days ago, okay? So that's the lows it's put in so far. Now it's a question of can it hold it? We'll see. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and if you live anywhere in the Bay Area or of Northern California, I have a day for you, November 7th. I'll be returning to San Jose to for those no-cost personalized portfolio reviews. And I'd love to meet with you. Tell your friends. And you can register at investtalk.com. And do, this is InvestTalk, everybody. Number 888-99-CHART. Best Talk listeners call each week asking Steve or Justin to name the software tools they use for data research and filtering. Ready? YCharts. And if you go to YCharts.com, you can get a free trial. Even better, mention Invest Talk when you purchase and you'll get a significant discount. But now, have you got a question for Steve? He's here and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Uber. Uber Technologies, Inc. It's a private company. They want to go public or they're being talked into going public or whatever. Anyways, um, the public, the 
the evaluation that the Wall Street Journal put on it is about a hundred. Well, maybe they didn't do it, but maybe different uh, proposals to them is about a hundred and twenty billion dollars. Okay, and this is a huge. That would be a huge IPO, really huge. The last time Uber was evaluated, it was evaluated at seventy billion dollars. So that's a that's a very large, you know, premium as to what it was the last time. Now, do you know how this process works? A large financial institution, bank, commercial bank, uh, sponsors the IPO. They prepare it with the company. And they decide on things like how many shares and what the price will be, the opening price. Now, you've got to be careful. You know, it's an agreement between the company and the bank, commercial bank because the commercial bank has to sponsor the stock. They have to own a lot of the stock. And they're the ones that's selling it on Wall Street to everybody else. So if they price it too high, they, they'll get stuck with all this stock in their pocket that they don't really want. They pro and, and the stock value goes from the IPO price sinks down like a rock until it meets what the demand price is. If they price it too low, then they leave a ton of money on the table. Remember, someone's paying, someone's buying that stock. That money goes into Uber's pocket. And then they use that money to whatever corporate purposes they need to use it for. Now, insiders cannot sell the IPO. Uh, remember, insiders, the people who start the company, they hold on to shares. They're, you know, they're not selling 100% of the company. Usually the, the previous owners get a big chunk of those shares. And those people can't sell that big chunk until six months after the IPO date, initial public offering date. So it's kind of a tricky business to know what price to sell it at. What price? If they open up at $20 a share and the first trade is $40 a share, that means the IPO price was too low. Too low. That's what that means. Because that money should have went into the coffers of the of of uh, the. Remember, the only one who's getting that twenty dollars share is the company. And then after that, it's public, and whoever's buying and selling the shares get the profits. Hundred twenty billion dollars is a pretty big number. They're going to do this probably next year. They, you know, IPOs come out when the market is healthy, usually when the market's healthy. They don't come out so much, hardly at all, very seldom in a recession or when the economy is not healthy or when investors are not valuing stocks very highly. They will wait. They don't need to come out in IPO right away. You know what they say, our Invest Talk listener line never closes. And here's proof. The question that came in earlier, 888-99-CHART. Yes, I have a question regarding uh, working with a financial planner. The financial planner that I've talked to a couple of times does not charge and, in fact, doesn't even have a requirement of any sort in the, for future business, but works under the assumption that if he makes a good impression, you'll do business with him in the future. So my question is, is how do I know my financial planner who could manage my retirement account is a good one. In other words, do I ask questions around how he invests, that kind of thing. Anyway, I hope you get the answer on the air. Thanks. 
Okay, when you say it does not charge, that's not true. Of course, no one charges. I don't charge. No one charges to talk to you. They will never charge just to talk to you. They want to talk to you. They want to get to know you. You want to get to know them. But you do want to know how they get paid. Eventually, if you do business with them, uh, you'll want to know how he gets paid. And I can tell you right now how he's going to get paid. He's going to sell you products, annuities, insurance, uh, mutual funds, and every one of those products pays him a very nice commission. Okay? Now, mutual funds don't have to because you don't have to buy the A shares or the B shares or the C shares. Those are the shares that are that get charged a commission. A shares are up front 5% of whatever you buy in the mutual fund, they get 5% of it, whatever that buy is. Uh, B shares, C shares, D shares, all those other shares, it's a different way to get paid. So the one question you want to ask is, if you're going to do business with this person, how do they get paid? How do you get paid? How much do you get paid? So th there is a way to get paid. Annuities, there's a large commission for that. Almost all insurance products pay a pretty large commission. Mutual funds also pay a, 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 a transaction, a, a, a fee, a load, they call it, L-O-A-D, a load. Um, and that's usually up front, but it could be in the back, 1% a year for a number of years. But that's the main question I would want you to ask. How do they get paid? Because you really just want to find something you're comfortable with. That's really what you're looking for. Tomorrow on Invest Talk, depending on your financial situation, you could benefit from protection offered by annuities. I'm not a big annuity person. I'm not. I don't care for them in general. Explain annuities and their four areas of risk mitigation. And that story is tomorrow. I'm Steve Peasley. This is Invest Talk. To win, all effective investors use a process. And listeners call InvestTalk every day asking to share our winning process. And they too can win using the right analytical tools. Just what do we use as our everyday go-to research tool? YCharts. It's a cloud-based financial research platform. It is indispensable. YCharts has the powerful tools of a terminal combined with the ease of use of a modern website. We use YCharts every day. YCharts is easy to navigate, visually awesome, and informative. YCharts has filters driven by thousands of metrics, Excel integration, and data visualization to create charts that compare stocks, funds, indices, and more. If you're a serious investor, you'll understand that the precision functionality in YCharts is not free. But YCharts has more horsepower and by far better data and filters compared to a giveaway tools from Yahoo or Google. YCharts is a fraction of the cost of something like Bloomberg Terminal. And now our listeners can try YCharts for free. You just heard Steve and Justin endorse YCharts. It's the lightning-fast research, data filter, and charting tool they use every day for their investment portfolios. Think about it. Steve is right. Free software cannot come close to the power, speed, ease of use, and practical functionality of YCharts. And serious investors understand that YCharts can pay for itself with just one or two targeted investment selections. So here's your chance to take advantage of a free trial and a generous YCharts discount. Start by mentioning InvestTalk when you go to YCharts.com. Get serious, get YCharts.
This is Invest Talk. Have you thought about asking Steve or Justin for a no cost and no obligation portfolio review? You should. They can set up a telephone conversation or a Skype consultation. And if you live anywhere in Northern California, Steve will be returning to San Jose on November 7th. Save the date and register now at investtalk.com. Appointments are free, but they are limited. Okay, you've got finance and investment questions, and you can get unbiased answers. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve, this is Lorraine from Lowell. Could you please give me a technical analysis on BGS Foods Company? I'm thinking it might be a target for a buyout. I was going to do it for a trade. I already did buy some. It went down about a buck and a half since where I bought it at last week. So you think it's going to go lower? Where's a good, another good buy point, et cetera? Thanks. Bye. BGS, everybody. B&G Foods Company manufactures self-stable food products such as jellies and hot sauces sold in the U.S., Canada, it is a $1.7 billion company, and it is fairly low price, so it is possible to be attractive as a buyout candidate. They've always made money. They, they make good, solid money. This year, they're going to make $2.06. problem is that's 2% less than that last year. The next year, they're going to go up 5% to $2.17. It's a $26 stock. So you can see it's about, what, a 13 PE or so? Somewhere in that range. And the five-year range is 11.25, Return on equity is very high at $17. Very high cash flow at $2.94. I mean, that's way over about 11% of the stock price. And they pay a 7% dividend yield. So the dividend is very, very nice. So while you wait for it to recover, you, you get a very nice dividend. Uh, it bottomed at about $22, rose to about $32, and then came back to, and down in the most recent weakness to about 26 And that is about the Fibonacci retracement number. So that it may have just tested that, you know, that Fibonacci retracement number, which is about, what, $25.80 or so? Remember, it's a $26.70. Down, what, uh, today it was down... Uh, uh, 69 cents or two and a half percent. This is a good buy point, you know, as long as it can hold that $26 area. Uh, I think this is a pretty decent buy point. It is a value stock, but a better buy point if it went back down to 22 because there was a lot of support down there. But that means, you know, that's another 20% down, you know, 18% down on the stock price. I don't know if it's going to happen. But yeah, I, I do like it. Is it a buyout candidate? Yeah, it could well be. It could. I haven't heard any rumors of that, though. I have not. BGS, B&G Foods, Inc. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Okay, mortgage rates have, re have now retreated from the high they made just a couple of weeks ago. Okay, and just remember, the 30-year fixed mortgage a year ago was 3.99%. That was that was most of 2017, about 4%. Now it's 4.49%. 4.49. Okay, that's about it's about a half a percent higher. Okay, it was about 13% of what it was, a 13% rise. Anyways, 
The 30-year fixed mortgage rate average of 4.85 in the October 18th week was down 5 basis points. The 15-year fixed mortgage rate of 4.26 down from 4.29. Now, you do know that mortgage rates track the 10-year treasury rate, okay? So whatever's happening in the 10-year treasury yield, the mortgage rates tend to follow. But, they, but the mortgage rates lag it. They don't follow it immediately. It's always kind of behind. But they do follow it. Now, the Commerce Department said Wednesday, new home construction is about 6.5% higher for the year to date than the same period last year. So, you know, we've, you, we've no, we know for several months we've seen the housing market weaken. But it's not weakened from a year ago. It's weakened because just from a high recent three months or so and builders you remember i mentioned yesterday builders are a little bit positive or kind of upbeat uh, because they see the economy being strong consumer sentiment being strong you know uh, demand being strong so they're not downbeat about the housing market to put housing in perspective i just was talking to uh, a friend of mine's daughter today and they just bought a house and they got it for four and a half percent, thirty-year fixed. And you know, we were saying that you know, in reality, in reality, that's cheap. It's still cheap. I mean, you go back to the two thousand, seven and a half average was about seven and a half for a thirty-year, uh, thirty-year uh, fixed mortgage. If you go back to the nineteen nineties, it was closer to ten. So, we really, really, honestly speaking. Mortgages are still cheap. Now, the Federal Reserve has been on a uprising interest rate binge in the last couple of years, and they seem to want to continue to do so going forward. Therefore, mortgage rates should continue to tail up. Not anything dramatic, just tail up. I'm Steve Peasley, and I realize that a good many of you are regular Invest Talk listeners, but I know, too, that you have also, you know, you like hands-on guidance. You do. Everybody does, don't they? You want expert guidance. Well, you might you might like to have knowledgeable uh, a knowledgeable mentor like us. Justin and I, are, you know, we are announcing our pre-registration launch for Invest Talk Academy. You can register now. I think it would be a very good experience. You know, and if you sign up now, you get the early bird rate. We plan on hosting the Vestal Academy online classes each week, once a week, every week. And we're going to do a full analysis of the market. We're going to post those classes immediately to the web every day and keep them there. Every day we have them, it'll stay there for those people who have signed up. So you can listen to it anytime you want. We will be doing them live, but we'll post them too. Okay, there'll be Q&A, question and answer time. We'll talk about the market at the beginning of each class a little bit. Get into a topic, uh, we the study topic for the day, and offer up, you know, Q&A period. It's always going to be a specific topic. It's a teaching class. We're going to teach in this class. It may be technical analysis. It may be fundamental analysis or one of the two types of analysis. Maybe more than just one class on technical and fundamentals. It might be on... Uh, economics and different parts of economics and what they mean. It might be just on how to pick stocks. I know a lot of you want to know that. 
how do you find them? How do you find them? How do you, how, what kind of research do you do? What kind of software do you use? <coughs> Excuse me. We will go over a many of those things. Every one of them. These topics, every week we have a new topic we're going to go over. So, you can ask your question. It really is going to be a hands-on, one-on-one kind of lesson. Vestock Academy begins on November 1st. To get the lowest price, you can sign up by October 31st. Introductory offer. Early bird offer. Just go to investtalk.com. Okay, the phone lines are open and we are taking your calls. 888-99 chart. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they are committed to reason and common sense guidance. That can help make you a better investor. And this philosophy is implemented for KPP clients and across all platforms. Broadcast radio, live streaming, podcast replays, plus the KPP Premium Newsletter, the upcoming Wealth Webinar, and the exciting new Invest Talk Academy. Principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein have over 60 years of combined experience in portfolio and money management. You can reach out to Steve or Justin by calling their Dana Point, California KPP Financial Office or sending a message through investtalk.com. The Invest Talk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Jacob from uh, New York. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I really love the show. Um, simple question. Right now or within the next six months, what is the best industries to get into? Which ones do you like the most? You know, sit next six months to a year, knowing that, you know, where we are in the market at this point. Love to hear what you have to say. I'll listen on the radio. Thank you. Bye. I, I, I'm going to say more defensive industry like uh, utilities. Utilities would be one that I would think would work quite well um, going forward because they've been beat up a lot. And they usually work well when the economy is near its peak. Utilities. I'm talking about electric utility kind of companies. We have a, a few of those positions in our managed account, and I think that's that would that would be one of the sectors that would work well. Another sector that it might work well will be precious metal. Now I'm not saying that you know tech tech stocks and industrial stocks are going to do terrible. I'm just telling you what I think would do well in the next six months to a year simply because they're a bit more defensive in nature the dollar has looks like it's peaked if the dollar has peaked and starts to roll down a little bit that means that's beneficial for precious metals uh high dividend paying utilities you know usually high dividend paying stocks do better in a late economic cycle than high growth stocks so, you know, and we know we've had a very, uh, a very high growth oriented year because of the FANG stocks, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, uh, Google, you know, uh, <clears throat> Amazon. Uh, anyways, uh, so I, I do think it would be utilities. I can see uh, precious metals. And, you know, there will be others, but those would be primary two, two of them that I think would should work better. And remember, is you know, the cycle, the, the, there's an economic cycle, and during that economic cycle, 
there are different uh, sectors in stocks that work better than others traditionally. So you kind of want to know where you are in the economic cycle. It's easy to know when you're in a recession. Okay, you're in a recession. You're at the bottom of the economic cycle. So what works good in the bottom of an economic cycle? Well, then you're looking forward to growth out of that bottom, right? So probably a growth prospects would work, uh, might be coming out of that. See, it, it, it's not always the same, but it generally is. Good question, though. Appreciate it. Hey, matter of fact, cycles are going to be one of the one of the classes on Invest Talk Academy. Different cycles and what works, and we'll go over this in much more detail. Let's go to Cherie and San Mateo. Hi, doing, Cherie. I'm doing good, Steve. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for the call. How about? Um, thank you for all your help on uh, teaching us what's going on with either market or you know all these uh, stock uh, relating uh, issues that are happening. Um, well, I have a question thank you. to you in regards to in regards to uh, Feds uh, raising the interest rates on how that would yes. affect uh, mortgage or stocks for that sake. Or what kind of interest rates are they raising? Because I'm still new to this whole stock market and everything, okay. so trying to understand. Okay. Uh, what, That's who, a good what, question. Which interest rate? I'm assuming it's the bonds interest rate, right? No. The Fed does not control the bonds or the mortgage rates. They do not. Notice I said control. They do not control. They only control one kind of rate, Cherie, and that is the rate that the, we call it the Fed's fund. They call it the Fed's fund rate. It's a rate that the Federal Reserve charges banks to borrow money from the Federal Reserve. The banks can borrow money from the Federal Reserve at a very low rate and then lend it to you and me. And that's called the Fed's funds rate, and that's the only rate they set. So when we talk about, well, the Federal Reserve is raising rates, that's the only rate we're talking about, the Fed funds rate. And right now they raise it a quarter point, and usually they've been going up a quarter, 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 or down a quarter, quarter, a quarter point, quarter percent, a quarter percent. They've been raising it for like, almost two years now, and it's up to about 2% now. It was at zero, zero, a couple years ago. Now it's 2%. Now what happens if the if you're a bank and you borrow money from the Federal Reserve and now you've got to pay the Federal Reserve 2% for that money? You have to go out and lend that money out to me and you and everybody else. You, the bank has to go lend that money out at a higher rate so because the, they, they got to maintain a profit margin, so they, they, they borrow at a very low rate, but as it keeps going up, therefore that ripples through all the rates. It ripples through the rates, and the banks push up rates for everybody. Okay? So they don't, the, yeah. the, the public, we, the banks, we control the rates, but the Fed, Fed funds rate starts it off with its overnight rate that it lends to banks. Does that make sense to you? Cherie. Yeah, it does. No, it does. Okay. So that's how it is. So it doesn't control any other rates. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Yeah, so only the Fed's funds rate is what they control. Now, can they influence other rates? It can influence. How do they influence before? Well, let's say uh, corporations want to issue bonds. What if the only, what if the Federal Reserve started buying all the bonds out there? What would that do? They bought it. They they want to buy all the bonds. They are one of the biggest buyers out there. 
What does that do? That drives down those rates. Drives them down because, you know, there's a finite supply. What if they want to sell the bonds they bought? Which is what they're doing right now. That puts pressure on the rates going up. But they only control one rate. October's already almost over half over right now. We've got a free online webinar coming up on October 30th. That's a couple of weeks away, by the way. And I'll be able to return to San Jose on November 7th. That's, what, three weeks away? So if you want to register both, go to investtalk.com. But for now, we still got about 10 minutes left in the day's program. So let's take your question. What, do you, what financial questions on your mind? 888-99-CHART. the next invest talk depending on your financial situation you could benefit from the protection offered by annuities that story tomorrow but now steve is here ready with answers and he's waiting for your calls 888-99-CHART hey steve and justin um this is rose from kansas city um i have a question about the southwest airlines symbol l-u-v I entered around the low 50s, and it has been a good run since then. would like to know more about that, if it still has room to go up or come down, or do I need to take my profits off the table or something. Uh, thank you very much for your answers. See you. Bye. Okay. Uh, Southwest Airlines, the symbols LUV, love LUV, provides predominantly point-to-point, high-frequency, short-haul domestic airline service to 100 cities. They've always made money, and they've been growing their money for years now. Every year, uh, profits have risen, uh, and they still are doing it. They're going to ri- the profits will rise 19% this year, another 20% next year. It's a very well-run airline. This one and JetBlue, I think, are the two best-run airlines out there. Um, it, the, the, this is the issues you have. You have issue of its growth is slowing. It almost has no growth in sales. Matter of fact, last quarter was zero growth. The quarter before that was 2%, and then 4%, then 3%. So it's pretty slow growth. Okay, so you can't, it's not a growth stock. So what kind of PE does an airline stock deserve? To me, it doesn't deserve more than a than the market average, which is about 15. And what's 15 times $4.97? Well, it's only about 20, it's not a lot, right? Five times, it's 50 plus, so right about where it is. Because it, in my opinion, it's worth close to where it is. Um, so 15 times 50, so it's about $70 price target, and it's at 57. And I will tell you that I think it's not going to go above its old high of about 66, which is what it was back in the beginning of the year. I think it's possible to go back there. I would, I, I would when this, I would not let it go below the 200-day moving average, which is $57. If it goes below that, I'd be out. If it goes back up to six, the low 60s, I'd probably uh, take my profits. I'm not a big. I don't care for airlines. I don't like airlines, even if they're well run. I, I just not. They have to be super, super cheap for me to buy, it, and it's not. Why I don't like the airlines? Well, there's a lot of unions. You got the pilot unions, the steward unions, the uh, mechanics unions. They also have they're very much subject to the cost of fuel, 
And I don't like the fact when they leave the ground when a seat is empty that their only inventory is empty seats. And they can't reuse it. It's gone. It's done. So there's no real inventory. The planes are very, very expensive. And I don't like the way airlines jerry-rig the depreciation of those planes over multi-years. Sometimes 20 years, sometimes 30 years, and that all means something when it comes to the bottom line of the company. It's, so there's a lot of things I'm, I'm not a big fan of airlines, just so you know. Analysts who predict the 2008 crash warns of a bubble brewing in the U.S. in household wealth. They're not talking about, you know, a bubble like a certain thing. They're saying everybody is getting wealthier. Everybody's gotten much wealthier than is supportable. Now, this opinion is being put out by Jesse Colombo of Clarity Financial. And this is an article about Market Watch. He said the U.S. household wealth boom since the Great Recession is a sham, a farce, and a gigantic lie, tricking everyone, tricking everyone into believing that happy days are here again, even though the engines that are driving it are bubbles. Now, how did he come to that conclusion? Well, he looked at certain things. He looked at charts of certain things. One of the things he looked at, wealth that gallops past economic growth. Economic growth is a certain amount. Wealth that jumps higher, much higher, is not sustainable. The last two times a share of household wealth growth exceeded gross domestic product growth, or GDP, was during the late 1990s and the mid-2000s. So both those times a market crash. That's one of the things he's, he's looking at. Okay, so... Another one is comparing, you know, the uh, the GDP with uh, household wealth. It's interesting. Things are interesting. Time's up, everybody. Can't get into all of it. I wish I could. I'm Steve Peasley. This completes another InvestTalk program, driven again by your questions. I love it. I remind I remind our podcast listeners that they will be hearing about more about Y Charts, our new sponsor, and we use that to do all our research, data filters. And charting. So we use white charts almost every day or sometimes all day. Thanks for listening everybody. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.